Hey, this is Uncle Earl from the Ultimate Underground Experience, and we're here at the red carpet event of the Los Angeles Jewish Film Festival. And um, as you see, it's busy right now. People are entering and coming in. The film is coming up, and we will be having some interviews with some of the uh, guests, some of the filmmakers, as well as the presenter. So just stick around, and Uncle Earl will keep you in the know. See ya. Henry, how you doing? I'm great, thank you. How are you? I'm fine. You're just glowing. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Your little Brooklynitis is Yes, well, you got it uh -oh, started. Oh, they're blinking you the got, lights, but of course but they are. This is exciting, and your dad. Yes. Paul Henry. Yes, indeed, indeed. It's Made an a couple man. good movies. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And can I'm you give us some of the names? I can. Casablanca. Yes. Now you know, tall guy, white suit, gets the girl at the end, uh -huh, leads uh -huh. the Marseille. Yes. That yes. Guy. Yes. Now Voyager lights two cigarettes, hands one to Betty Davis, mm. and then he made about four of the other films here in the states. Wow. I actually worked with Betty Davis when Did I was you? a kid. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't yeah. that a joy to work with her? Yes. Isn't she yes. amazing? She was incredible. You kind of learn everything, everything on the spot, and you learn what not to do. And definitely, <laughs> but she keep you. In check. I did. I did a film with her also called Dead Ringer, mm -hmm. which my father directed. Okay. And 
quickly, I should say, that he will be TCM's Star of the Month for July. Wow. They will show about 25, 30 of his films, and Great. I'm so excited, I'm so thrilled Amazing. that people will get a chance to see the, the sort of the, the variety of roles he yes. could play instead of being kind of caught up in that right. tall, suave. Right. He's a swashbuckler. He's a bad guy. He's And comedies. Yeah. There are a couple of comedies that they are going to show. And it's real for me... Mm-hmm. It doesn't. It's oh, whipping cream they're on the cake. Um, was he was he a fun guy at home too? He was well. He was very serious very with serious. life for the most part, but he had a wicked sense of humor. I mean, he loved a good joke. He could tell a story like no one else could tell a story. Right. And he really oh, appreciated. Oh, they're showing lights on us. Yes. Okay. Oh my God. Right. We're All going. Right. Okay. But it was so nice talking to <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And, nice um, congratulations, to you. and I'll look forward to seeing you. Father. Thank you. Okay. Pleasure meeting All right. you. All right. Yes, Take care. This is Monica Henry <laughs> with Uncle Earl. Take care. Great. Thrilled to see so many people here tonight. So many friendly faces I've known for over the eight years, and a lot of new faces, so welcome. Yes, I'm Hillary Helstein. I'm the director of the Los Angeles Film Festival. I want to thank our presenting organization, the Jewish Journal and Tribe Media. We are thrilled and honored to be a member of the tribe. Eight years ago, the vision to create something new, artistic, and exciting in the Jewish community has now blossomed into an institution. The festival wouldn't be possible without the imagination and passion of many people. And our relationship with the Jewish Journal is perfect, as our missions are in sync to bring to the Los Angeles community the most compelling Jewish stories that connect us. The cover story is about Susie Essman and tonight's film, Putzel, and a bunch of other great films that are LAJ- at LAJFF this week. For another year, we are honored to be working with a passionate and dedicated community leader, John Fischel. As the honorary festival chair, John has helped us make new connections, advance our mission, and expand our vision. Thank you, John, for your continued support. I would also like to thank this year's co-chairs, Marge Churchick and Elkie Arashevsky. The founding co-chairs, Kim Cavallo and Michelle Kaufman. Our volunteer coordinator, Corey Drazen. Our community liaisons, Shirley and Phil Snyderman. contest, whoever gets the loudest applause. Our screening committee chair and all-around gal, Giselle Dunst, and our very dedicated committee of film reviewers, and our PR team, publicists Roz Wolf, Marvin Page, and Robin Roth. I would also like to thank a special friend who flew in to be here tonight, who's helped us for over the past number of years with our search for films. He's programmed the Toronto Jewish Film Festival for the past eight years, and this year we are very lucky to have him consult with us, Larry Ankulis. Our team has worked tirelessly to bring to you the best in Jewish cinema from all corners of the world. And this year, with over 20 films, there is truly something for everyone. I would like to thank the staff at the Jewish Journal for all their help in bringing the festival to a brand new level. Those people are David Suisa, Rob Eschman, Susan Freudenheim, 
Naomi Pfefferman McGid, Danielle Barron, Tom Tugan, Lionel Ochoa, Adam Levine, Jonathan Fong, and I wish I could name everyone. Thank you. due to the arrival of our newest addition to the festival roster. Some of our team refers to him as my assistant director. Although his vocabulary is limited, he has taught me a lot, like how to work fast. He's helped me to understand that there really is no sleep ever for the festival director. And finally, I learned that you can run an entire film festival on an iPhone 5 with one hand. <laughs> Our new assistant director is my two-month-old son. Come on, show him off. <laughs> he wore his tuxedo tonight. But we want to thank everyone for their patience and support this year. It really means a lot. I thought it'd be easy to have a baby in one of us. We want to extend our deepest thanks to all our sponsors and donors community leaders, and partners who have helped make LAJFF happen year after year. Thank you so much. Every person, partnership, and sponsor has played a dynamic role in making the festival possible. I would also like to thank the filmmakers, some of who are here tonight. Without your talent, we would have no festival. I would also like to thank our catering and hospitality partners for tonight, Mickey Fine Pharmacy and Grill, Hanson's Cakes, Lenny's Deli, Legacy Entertainment, YLA Water, and Carrie Welland for providing the coffee. My role as the festival director came out of a deep need to tell important stories. All filmmakers have a story to tell, and the LA Jewish Film Festival is a showcase for great talent to share stories exploring Jewish issues. This is a special night for us as we kick off the festival with a celebration of comedy and Jewish comedians who have impacted American humor. Tonight will be the Los Angeles premiere of the film Putzel, a story of romance, self-discovery, and a whole lot of locks. 
We are so fortunate to have with us tonight to participate in a Q&A following the film. Actor Jack Carpenter, Putzel himself, director Jason Chait, writer Rick Moore, producer and actress in the film, Allegra Cohn, and the salmon guy, Fran Kranz. The panel will be moderated by Rob Eshman, the publisher and editor-in-chief of the Jewish Journal. 25 Degrees and Sweet. Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel and Sweet Candy LLC presents Sweet Deal featuring all American classics. Their Sweet Deal includes their signature burger and sweet shake for $20. Sweet Deal is available on their number one, two, three, and four burgers and non-alcoholic sweet shakes. This cannot be combined with any other offers. Pricing and availability subject to change. Not available for takeout. 25 Degrees is located in the Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel at 7000 Hollywood Boulevard. This is Mixie with Uncle Earl, and you're listening to the Underground Experience. zip it bop bop bow I'd like to turn the program over to a very funny man. You may know him from, well, everything. <laughs> He's appeared in, film, in festival films before, like Keeping Up with the Steins. He is also a good friend of Susie Essman's and has appeared on, on Curb Your Enthusiasm with her. Any Curb fans out there? Yeah. We're so honored to have with us tonight Larry Miller. Hi, folks. Thanks. Why are there so many Jews in comedy? It's, it's, it's a standard question that we, we all know we've all heard. But though the greatest comics you've ever known have always said, well, it's about repression. Well, it's about when, when you put people down, they'll always try and be funny. It's, it's, that's completely wrong to me. Every single thing about Jewish, he, this woman, the first time I met her in comedy clubs in New York, the first time you start speaking, you realize this woman has it, whatever the it is. When you see her performing in stand-up, you say, this is great, she's great, she's funny. The answer to why is she funny is, to me, just sit down and listen. And she is, she is naturally good at observing life. She has had, of course, a wonderful part on Curb Your Enthusiasm. She's been great at it. And as she says in the interview, uh, well, this week in, in the Jewish Journal, it's a good point. As she says, you know what, I could play this part forever. And she could. She's great at it. And they all are. They're all really wonderful. Being on that show was one of the most fun things I ever did. When people say, how do you make that stuff up? It's the same thing. Just go there. So, you know what? It means the world to say, I wish Susie could be here now. I'm awfully glad we liked each other the second we met. I really, I really am glad that she's well and has a great family and loves being what I love being. Himmelstein's House of Locks. It's in all the guidebooks. 
The store was founded by the late Harry Himmelstein, king of locks. Give him a call, they deliver. Well, at least as far south as 59th Street, Columbus Circle. Columbus Circle was built as a monument to courage. Beyond here lies the rest of the world. 59th Street at Columbus Circle is the entrance to the Upper West Side. Or the exit, depending on which way you face it. This is Walter Himmelstein, or Putzel, as everyone knows him. Since he was a boy, he's dreamed of taking over the family fish store. He expects to be handed the keys any day. He just has this one little problem. Jason Chase, writer, Rick Moore, the beautiful and talented Allegra Cohn, our darling, charming Putzel, Jack Carpenter, and Rob Eshman of the Jewish Journal. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Jason, tell me what inspired the story. Uh, sure. Rick and I worked together for a while, and years, however many years ago, we were out pitching another project, and we were working on ideas that we could make ourselves. And one day I realized that I hadn't left the FOS side in six months. And I said that, and Rick said, I think that's a movie. And then it took a while to figure out what movie, and Rick, you know, you want to take it from there? I thought that was a great jumping off point, and then we began to dream about, like, what would be our ideal kind of movie to create and there was a certain amount of laziness involved because we we thought it would be really good to shoot a film in our own neighborhood and sleep in our own beds at night and just walk a block or two to go to work every day so we decided to put it on the Upper West Side and uh, make it something that was in a, a business that was indigenous to the Upper West Side we set it in the fish store and uh, just decided to create the story about getting out of your comfort zone so you're a Jew from the Upper West Side I assume right I, I am Rick, I'm, Rick, you wrote it, right? Uh, I, I, I'm from the Upper West Side. And where, where are you from? Uh, originally from Texas. And you're Methodist, right? 
there is some Methodist blood. So what I find so <laughs> what I find so interesting is this is a this is a movie full of Jewish humor written by. So where does that come from? I mean, is this about how how this kind of humor permeates our society? That you know, where did you grow up to to get that kind of the rhythms and the jokes and the Yiddish and it was funny, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean. <laughs> I was around. We were back checking all the Yiddish. It was originally about Eskimos, and, and then he took it and just oh, no. with that. My father had a bunch of books, paperback books, in a closet. I don't know why they were in the closet, but I discovered them, and they were, they were, it was Texas, they were, well, it was Texas, I guess he was hiding it. They were, they were these, they were these humor books written by Alan King, and, and I just would sit in that closet and read that stuff, and I thought it was the best thing ever, and I, 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 I've just always gravitated towards it. He's a closet Jew. Allegra, I, I heard, I read in the Jewish Journal that the producer, one of the, um, one of the investors was so upset with the title, Putzel, which means a small penis, that they threatened to pull out. Is that true? I'm not joking, I read it. No, I read that. Was, was that Wait, that's all going to be means? No comment? So the question is about pulling out a Putzel. Yeah, I think there were some of the private equity investors that we went to, some of the individuals yeah. that we went to that were a little uncomfortable with the title. My, <laughs> my grandparents didn't like the title. No, ma many people didn't like the title. I went to um, an old age Jewish home to right. meet with uh, Irving so-and-so who, who just said, you're never going to make that film with that title. You, you know, he was just, he, he, didn't, he wasn't so into it. So, but we persevered and... And we believed in, stuck our, it out. in our name, yeah. Was the locks real? No. It's oh. all yeah. like... I mean, that uh, would be such a Shonda, right? There yeah. <laughs> the, the, the only real locks in the movie is the one insert of the locks being cut that you see a couple times. All the other locks was made by the production designer out of silicone and rubber. And so no locks was hurt in the film. No, no lot. well... <laughs> Feels so much better. Yeah, something no, happened. And, to and the deli case has been replaced. What is the challenge of making? You, you made this movie for what? What was the budget? A little under two hundred thousand. How do you make a movie for two hundred thousand? We we use plastic locks. I think is the. I think um, like sheer will and um, I mean from early on we were a lot of mini movies of this budget are like mumble Corey or two guys sitting on a couch and and we were like you know what it's doable we can do it. And we got a lot of free locations. Allegra and I walked around the Upper West Side looking for bagel stores that were closed during Passover because in my in my early days, like running an off 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 Broadway theater company, I managed a kosher dairy restaurant at night, and I knew that they all closed for ten days around Passover. So we walked around to all those places and we begged and we asked. And the guy at Barney Greengrass actually was super savvy and knew everything and was like, "Oh, you're shooting on the red, right?" And we found a place on Seventy Second Street and Allegra, Allegra. You know, put her star David on, and she got her hair really big, and she went in, and she she worked her. She's very charming, and she worked it. And then I went in and met with the guy, and they said okay, and they closed her Passover. They handed us the keys, and they came back ten days later. So you you shot it over Passover. We shot for one week Brilliant. when the store was. We shot everything in the store in a week, and then two months later we came back and we shot the rest of the movie because of actor schedules. We had to split the schedule. Now, later, what about the movie spoke to you? Why why what about the story spoke to you? I think that. You know, the whole message of risking who you are for what you can become and being able to step outside of your comfort zone and being placed in an environment that you thought that that's what you're supposed to do for your entire life. And really, that's not what is authentic and true to you. And so I think it's about really finding 
what really makes you happy.
Exhale Mind Body Spa Hollywood. They're celebrating their 50 nifty states with an exclusive offer of $50 off any 60 or 90 minute spa therapy. Plus, the first 50 people who book their therapy will be automatically entered to win a complimentary spa day. Located in the Lowe's Hollywood Hotel. Open to the public. Includes pool access and complimentary valet parking. Valid at Exhale Hollywood only. Call 323-491-1376 or visit www.exhalespa.com. Hey, what's up? This is Norm Adams, and you're listening to the Ultimate Underground Experience with Uncle Earl on KLED Live. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, this is Uncle Earl here at the red carpet event for the Los Angeles Jewish Film Festival. I'm here with Mr. John Saxon. How are you doing? Saxon. I'm doing pretty good, thank you. Yeah, you're yeah. looking well. From a kid from Brooklyn. Uh-huh. I'm from Brooklyn as well. Where? Fort Greene. Borough Park. You okay. Borough yes, Park? I do. Yes. I lived right across the street from the synagogue. Okay. And I would come on, think, if I can recall what you're supposed to do. They asked me to come <laughs> on a certain day, on Saturday when the light was coming out yes. or something like that. Occasionally I would do that four right. or five times during my life. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. So what's, what's new with you? You're a busy uh, guy. I, well, I've been busy yeah. since like 1955. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I may become busy again. But uh, I've written a script, and I've also done some work with a friend of mine uh, who has done films and so on, and uh, he's preparing to help me work for uh, a biography. On yourself? Mine, yeah. yeah. I I hadn't thought about it a little bit, but this guy is a friend of mine. He was in the film. Mm -hmm. It happened to be called God's Ear. If you ever look for it, look for it. It's a very good film. Okay. And... um, so we he, we meet uh, once or twice a week, and we talk about every film that I've ever made and why and what happened and what did she do and all of that right. sort of stuff. Now, what was your first film? Your actual first. I film? did a film with Esther Williams called The Unguarded Moment. Okay. Uh, before that, I think I did a TV show, a half, uh, a daytime t- TV show. Did you have to swim? No, no. <laughs> I only had to jump out on her. She had shoulders bigger than mine. <laughs> okay. And that's true. Nice. Well, part of the story, go look for it. The, okay. un- unforgotten, the unforgiven moment or forgotten moment. I okay, all right. Well, thank you so much for talking. Thank you. And enjoy your evening. And okay. my wife. This my is wife. the 40th year anniversary of Enter the Dragon. Oh, 40th yeah, anniversary. Yeah, yeah. 40th anniversary. Happy 40th anniversary to yeah. you. Thank you. All right. Thanks. What's your name? Gloria. Gloria Saxon. Gloria. How yeah. you doing? Hi. Good to see you. You look lovely. Thank you. Hmm. 40th anniversary. Isn't that special? All right. There'll okay. be more for the Underground Experience. Thank you, John. Take care. All right. You never know. See?
that you've been given a survey card. Please make sure you vote. It's very important for the filmmakers to know how they're doing, and we give audience awards. So please make sure you vote at the end of the film. I would like to thank our partners, our sponsors on the program, the Anti-Defamation League and the Urban League. Thank you so much. And I'd like to um, note that they're here in the audience. We have Seth Gerber. Please stand up. And Matt, where'd you go? Oh, there you are, Matt Friedman. And from the Urban League, we have Nolan Rollins. Um, after the film, we're going to do a Q&A with, with um, Paul, the director, and Mr. Rollins, and Mr. Gerber, and the film will be, the, um, sorry, the panel will be moderated by Naomi Pfeffer-McGid, my mouth is not working today, <laughs> of the Jewish Journal. So please make sure you stick around for after the film. I know it's going to be an amazing Q&A. I would like to hand the mic over to director Paul Salton. Thank you very much, and thank you, Hillary. Um, I don't have much to say except uh, to thank Hillary for having me and the film and the festival. It's uh, it, film festivals are a ton of work, and without Hillary and the Hillarys of the world, there wouldn't be a showcase for us filmmakers. So thank you very much, and I'd like to thank uh, the ADL and the Urban League for sponsoring the evening. And I look forward to the conversation with. Uh, with both groups afterwards. And I would just like to thank uh, one other person who's in the back, uh, Tom Schlesinger. Stand up, Tom. Wave. Tom is, uh, Tom is uh, the co-exec producer of the film, but much more than that, Tom has just moved back to LA from doing work pretty much all over the world. And if there's any studio executives here, you have to meet Tom because he's the the best wizard of storytelling and the magic of story structure and scripts of anyone I've ever met. So thank you for what you contributed to this film. And I uh, hope you enjoy it, and I'll see you afterwards. We're at 61 minutes. We are rolling. And this is roll one, delay interview. I'm gonna, it's okay, I'll do it. I'm going to give a sleep. All right, sure. Okay, we're good to go. Good to, good to see you again, Paul. Thank you for coming and uh, for talking to me. And thank you for inviting me up to uh, New York. It's uh, been a pleasure to uh, to come up here. And I appreciate you coming out of Mississippi. You said something to me on the phone that, that I'm curious about. You said you haven't been this naked since you were 14. What did you mean? Well, uh, it's, it's a joke uh, between some conservatives and whatnot. I haven't had my pistol with me. Uh, I had to go to the airport without it, and uh, I even left it at home, and it's not in my automobile. Uh, being a Beckwith, we usually have uh, two or three weapons around us all the time. Not because we're scared, just because we love guns. I do, like my father did, uh, tote a 45 ACP every place I go. If I was there right from the start To 
yourself for all you do with 15% off a jubilant dinner at Cafe La Boheme. Entice your palate with a delightful dish. Call 323-848-2360 for a reservation and mention Hollywood Chamber. Offer excludes holidays, special events, and other promotions. Dinner, menu only. 
Offer expires 12-31-13. Visit www.cafelabom.us. Hey, what's up, y'all? This is Zaya. Once again, making sure you're tuned in to Uncle Earl and the Underground Experience. And what about today? Are you still a member of the clan today? Oh, yes, sir. I mean, and, and the way I can, I can answer that is uh, one clan, though, you, you took it to the day you died. You accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, and uh, you are supposedly an ordained Christian. So I would say I am an ordained clansman to my death. Would you be willing to take your masks off? No. My name is Richard Gray. I'm 45 years old. I'm the Imperial Wizard of the Mississippi White Knights of the Ku Klux Klan. I'm Lisa Gray. I'm 46 years old. I'm Imperial Lady of the Mississippi White Knights of the Ku Klux Klan. Terry Mazinger, I'm 29. What were you taught by your parents about blacks? You know, they taught me that, you know, to stay with my own race and that black people had their race and that uh, I should stay with my own race. And uh, that's how I was brought up and that's how it remained today. I think it is good that we play with black, oriental, other people from different places because we can learn more about their culture. I think that we all should get along and play together. God made us all the same on the inside. We're just different colors on the outside. If anybody who is racist watches this, just get over it. It's all right. Slavery's We're no. the same. I believe they should all go back to Africa, or we should give them a place, set them up a government, see if they can run it, which I doubt very seriously they could, and see what happens and watch them go to shit. Churches were burned. Molly cocktails were thrown. Uh, people got hurt in cars. Windows were shot out. Did you take part in all that? Why, certainly. I made quite a few niggers and uh, some sorry white trash and uh, some freedom riders, or a mixture of them, uh, understand that I wasn't going to tolerate it. I wasn't going to be pushed. It's the invisible empire. There's people in high places, police officers, judges, and uh, of course they can't be seen in public. They'll lose their job, but they, they still they give us a thumbs up and they still support us. But it's not hatred we feel, you know, it's, it's just pride in our own race and, and we want to keep it that way. And it's like a, like a, a seven-year locust. They're just sitting on the ground waiting for an opportunity to spring up. Come in, you look at the airport, you see Matt Gravis. You see this display on the wall now. All that went on here. It's uh. Obviously, somebody's attempting to, to correct the wrongs that were done. I have great admiration for the, for the state attorney that went after Beckwith, pushed the case and tried it and brought justice to Mississippi. I think all those things have to be respected. But uh, there's so much that's still hidden in America. And a lot of what's hidden it's hidden down here in Mississippi. Paul, you were down here as a nigger lover, trying to get uh, things done for them, and I didn't feel like you as a white man had any right to get yourself involved in it. I've got respect for, for Medgar. The respect comes 
because he was man enough to serve in the United States uh, Armed Forces. I believe he was in the Army. He came home with a strong will and a desire to help his race and his people. Now, let's look at the word excellent in its finite and unversed form. Excellent of the highest quality uh, or exceptionally good at or of its kind or superior in its archaic definition. Synoptic or incongruence with altruism or benevolence, depending on the usage of the original word or its derivative. Example at hand, two glasses of water, one sprung from a porous material, which liquid is passed in order to separate the liquid or the fluid uh, from suspended particles, in short, a filter. And the second glass taken from a spigot or a plug for a bunghole, not to be confused with a bunghole that produces fecal matter, but in fact, the latter example would be considered distasteful or shall I say the more layman term of crappy and the first excellent. Now let's look at excellence in art. Uh, excellence in art, not to be confused with meteorocracy or lukewarmness. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> the race issue exists here. Don't talk race. You're smiling. I think that's cool. Oh, good. <laughs> I don't. I don't talk race. It's not. As I say, the only way to get past it is to forget about it. None of us have any different genetic structure. I mean, not one whit. You have uh, your genes to determine the color of your eyes, texture of your hair, stuff like that. Um, but we still have the same genetic structure. We still have the same genetic structure. Right here, in this segregated, backward society, I got one of the best educations, reading Shakespeare and Chaucer, uh, Longfellow, Wadsworth, um, in the eighth grade. When I was eight years old, I got a library card. I cannot tell you what kind of doors opened up for you with books. Nothing else does it. Nothing else does it. Kids who grew up with television are growing up with their, with their, their imaginations are stunted. If you read a book, you create the whole world. It's all created inside your head. So you have a lot to do with what that looks like. I was so inspired by Dr. King that in 1956, at the age of 16, with some of my brothers and sisters and first cousins. We went down to the local library in Pike County, Alabama, Troy, Alabama, in the county seat, trying to get a library card, trying to check out some books. And we were told by the librarian that the library was for whites only and not for colors. 
I never went back to that library until July 5th, 1998, for a book signing of my book, Walking with the Wind. And hundreds of blacks and white citizens showed up. We had a wonderful time. We had food, something to drink. I signed a lot of books. And at the end of the little program, they gave me a library card. It says something about the distance we've come and the progress we've made in America. He was just a Muslim, or as most people say, the first nigger that was elected president of the United States. I'm telling you, I was very, I was like most people. It's, it brings tears to your eyes to realize that we could do that, that this country had it in it to live up to its promise. Yeah, he is a direct descendant of the devil. I mean, he's the, uh, he's the child of the devil, and he's going to destroy our nation if uh, we leave him in power much longer. Well, ever since the founding fathers, however many white men that was, uh, we've always had uh, well-to-do white men as president of the United States. Time for a change, so we did it. There was a little joke about uh, being the beast of the field and uh, referred to the uh, Negras as being the beast of the field. Uh, so he is the true beast of the field that uh, my people, and when I say my people, I would say the white uh, clansmen. People who are preaching hate. You see the swastika and you see the Confederate flag. And they primarily represent the same thing. You can't convince anybody here, or you can't convince enough people here that we don't need that, that kind of negativity. I called Bert and I told him specifically what we were doing. The plane ticket, the time, arrival, where we, what we were doing, and just alerted him that we would like to know that there were the presence of marshals. Nobody was asking him to intervene in anything unless there was some foul play. But soon they were, they were, and that I was not coming down alone. That uh, I was coming down with Sidney Poitier. And he said he understood. And he got the message. And that he would do what was necessary, is what he said. But it was a realization that this was a daily event in the lives of tens of thousands of black people who had no back door, who were trapped. I also had a chance not to reflect. <clears throat> and although there's no way to prove this, how did the Klan know we were there? When we booked a plane, we booked very quietly under all sorts of other names. How did they know? My death will be the end of the Bedford clan era. So what I'm confessing to you, which you'd like to hear some more confessions, is that my children do not take part and do not uh, feel the way I do. But they're still my children, I still love them, and I still respect them. So I have great ambivalence about Mississippi. I have hope, and I'm certainly mindful of how the people here feel. 
and how they're striving and still hoping and believing. I look around and I want to love it. It's a pretty place. So much nature and so much stuff. But I can't, I don't feel, I don't feel safe here. I feel as if somehow the devil has really just paused for a moment and is coming back. Ladies and gentlemen, how you doing? This is Uncle Earl, your host, Captain and DJ of the Underground Experience here in Hollywood, California. How you doing? I'm here tonight again, once again, at the Los Angeles Jewish Film Festival, and I just watched a riveting film called The White Knights. And it deals with racial injustice in Mississippi back in the day. And I have two gentlemen here, actually, who can shed so much light on this issue for you. Mr. Seth Gerber. How Hi, you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? And Mr. Nolan Rollins. Hi, Nolan you? V. Rollins. No, Nolan what V. Rollins. What does the V stand for? Uh, Vida. Okay, cool. That's right. Cool. So, wow, I don't know where to begin. I mean, this was an amazing story that needed to be heard and told. And how did you become involved with Paul? Well, I first saw Paul's film um, because we were asked to speak here to give our perspective. I'm chair of the Anti-Defamation League. And... You know, we've been monitoring the Ku Klux Klan for, for a long time. Our organization is celebrating its centennial 100th year anniversary. And we, we've been involved in the anti-masking legislation and drafting the first hate crimes uh, legislation in the United States. And we just lobbied for 10 years for the Matthew Shepard, James Burr Jr. Hate Crimes Prevention Act. So we've done so much uh, on these issues. And so it was just a privilege to see this wonderful film which exposed, you know, the hate and bigotry that, yes. that exists. and, and in, and uh, this confrontation between this civil rights uh, worker and a Klan's member who he met 43 years ago in a front of a courthouse in, a, in an altercation. Right. <laughs> and Nolan, you're, you're, you're a newbie I'm to a Los newbie. Angeles. Yes, so you've been yes. here about three months. I've been here for three months. Yeah. I actually came in from New Orleans. I was the CEO of the Urban League in New Orleans. And, and I have to thank Seth and, uh, and ADL for actually bringing the, the Urban League to this because they said, listen, this is something that we should do together. I mean, this is something that we should talk about with the community together. We should view it together. We should have a conversation together. Because I think that when you have organizations like ours partnering, I mean, that's when you make a difference in the community. When the community sees us as the voices of reason, sees us doing things together, I mean, that's what really makes a difference Strength in the community. Strength in numbers and diversity. That's right. It absolutely yeah. is. And I think that what we got to do today was we got to see a, a challenge, a challenge about history, a challenge about the present, most importantly, it was a challenge about what are we going to do for the future. And I think the mm. partnership between ADL and the Urban League is one of those kind of beacons that we actually see um, not too far off in the distance that really is going to make a difference in what happens here in Los Angeles. Right. And what was one of the most profound moments in the documentary for you, Seth? Well, I, I think for me the most profound moment was really when you saw the last white knight, this Klan's member who spent his whole life filled with hate and bigotry, when Paul Saltzman confronts him with that hate and actually gets him to, to reflect upon it and to change his mind. And I think that's what organizations like the, uh, the Anti-Defamation League, the Urban League, were trying to, to make the world better through education, through working uh, to improve civil rights for all individuals, whether they're immigrants, minorities, whatever, uh, it's based on sexual orientation, whatever your status, we're working to better our society and to reach an equality and fair treatment for all. And and so it was that, that turn and watching this individual turn and realize that the hate isn't really right. Mm -hmm. that, that I found to be the most pro, uh, profound moment. Yeah. 
cool. And Nolan, if you want to flip it around. Yeah. Was there an aha moment that maybe changed your mind in yeah. some way? Yeah. Well, you know, the aha moment for me was um, I got to see kind of passion. I got to see um, nonviolence actually win the day mm. without ever picking up a stick, without ever picking up a gun, without ever picking up anything. I mean, the aha for me was... Um, a, a civil rights advocate mm. sitting in front of a Klansman mm. who's holding a gun. Mm. But the aha was the civil rights activist, the non-violence person, the one who loves Gandhi, the one who loves Martin Luther King, actually won and seized the day. Mm. That was an aha moment for me. With no arms. Wow. This is great. Uh, is there anything that you'd love to add to this that I have I, not I just want, you know, another profound moment I just yeah. have to say yeah. was watching the children in the in the playground. I have young children, mm -hmm. and seeing the black and the white children in Mississippi playing together and thinking about Martin Reverend Martin Luther King's, you know, I have a dream speech, yes. and yes. the the splicing of that with the Klansmen and seeing mm. the contrast between yes. that dream and hearing these beautiful children talk about everybody should just accept people for who we are. We're all the same. It doesn't matter what color you are. Uh, interspersed with this hateful message and you can see which is right and which is wrong right. and that was very profound also. Yeah, and it was interesting because I've been to Amory, Mississippi myself which is a small town and they're still living the same way, you know, and I went with someone and I was treated really nicely but, you know, I went into a home, we had a party and they had the kitchen with a little hole and I looked in and there we were. Mm -hmm the bibs and the black and the white and I was like wow today still you know so there is hope and thank you guys for being a part of that change and please keep Uncle Earl in your hearts and in your prayers thank you alright and I'll keep you in mind thank you so much alright ladies and gentlemen this has been an in-depth moment here at the Los Angeles Jewish Film Festival there will be more right after this Magic Image Hollywood Magazine wants you to reach audiences on their heavily visited website and print publication. This is a very unique opportunity to advertise in a magazine that is strategically placed on newsstands and mailed to thousands of readers. Chamber members will receive 50% off for advertising with Magic Image Hollywood Magazine. Contact info at magicimagemagazine.com or visit www.magicimagemagazine.com. Wow. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, this is Uncle Earl, host Cabinet DJ. Once again, I'm here with Paul Saltzman, director of The White Knights. How are you doing, sir? Very well, thank you. That was a riveting, amazing, and mind-blowing experience I went through. Being that I'm a young man, you know, and... I'm an African-American male, and I know what people have gone through and where we are and where we need to get to, and you've covered it all. Oh, you know, thank it you. It was every part of that, where we were, where we are, where we need to go, you hit every mark. How was this journey for you? Wow, well, it was... Because um, you were there. Challenging, of <laughs> course, know. because meeting, meeting the Klan's member who punched me in the head right. when I was 21 and he was yes. 19 was uh, a bit unsettling at first, mm -hmm. but then the conversation evolved to be a very non-violent communication with him. Mm -hmm. um, he did change. I, I filmed him over a course of five years. He did change over those oh, five wow. years. Yeah, there's five interviews in the film with him, and they were one year apart each wow. over five years. And I wanted to do that in part to, to allow myself to see how change mm -hmm. occurred. Um, 
And he did, he did become different for the very fact that we communicated in a way where I was not judging him. Genuinely, I was not judging him. I wasn't trying to change him. I wasn't trying to be right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, trying to be right kills most relationships. Right. Exactly. Uh, so it was, a, it was a very fulfilling journey. Well, I'll tell you, it was pretty seamless. I mean, if you didn't tell me it was five years, I would have never known that because it, the succession seemed like it just happened that way. And Good. Being that you were there when it happened and being the man that you are now, is there anything you would have done differently? Yeah, I would have learned how to communicate nonviolently a lot earlier in my life. There is a book called Nonviolent Communication by a man called Dr. Marshall Rosenberg. It's brilliant. We should all be studying it as children. Um, so, yes, what I would do different if I could do it all over again is I'd learn about nonviolent communication when I was 10 instead of when I was like 50. Right. And would you have now today, like you said, you would go down there again today. You would go. Sure, I if would. If there was an unrest. Yeah, sure, I would. Definitely. Yeah. All right. Wow. Well, I thank you so much, and I'm going to get you. this to the people because they need to know about this. And uh, oh, thank you so could much. Could you please tell me your how to find everything about? Yeah, your you websites? can. You can reach me, and you can get a copy of the film through my website, which is called MovingBeyondPrejudice.com. Okay. All right. Lovely. From the man himself. Thank you so much, Paul. Thank you. And uh, all what up with soldiers? Oh, okay. You. All right, ladies and gentlemen. So there you have it. The man himself. Talk to you in a bit. Ciao.